Thank you for listening to CWP Cuties podcast. We gratefully acknowledge Canada Council for the Arts for making this possible. This is CWP Cuties podcast. This is episode number seven. It was recorded on January 8th, 2023. It is titled Lead with Compassion. The guest for this episode is Dalbir Singh. to the CWP QT's Artist Collective podcast. Um, CWP Artist Collective core members acknowledge that they are settlers on stolen land. My name is Jax. My pronouns are they, it. I'm a trans, queer, disabled, white settler, an uninvited guest born in Treaty 13, descended from Irish-Scottish settler colonists. I recognize the privilege afforded me, especially when seeking opportunities and funding. I'd like to thank Michelle Robinson, Red Thunder Woman, for her role in waking me up to my responsibilities as a settler. We'll leave links to her podcast and Patreon account in the show notes at www.nativecalgarian.com. The CWP respectfully acknowledges that the land we are on is the traditional and ancestral territory of many peoples presently subject to Treaty 7, namely the Blackfoot Confederacy, Bigani, Siksika, and Gainai as well as the Sutina and Iskia Nakoda, Chinookie, Bearspaw, and Wesley First Nations. To the Métis people of Alberta and to all of their First Nation, Inuit, Métis, status, and non-status peoples across Turtle Island who call Mokinsis home. Calgary Without Patriarchy was inspired by the jazz drummer and activist Terry Lynn Carrington. In 2018, she launched the Berkeley Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice, whose vision is the pursuit of jazz without patriarchy and the role that jazz can play in the larger struggle for gender and racial justice. In 2020, CWP was founded by composer Jax Walker with a similar vision to recognize the role that composition could play in the larger struggle for anti-oppression. The core CWP musicians have a background in jazz or classical genres and include Joanna Borromeo on piano and voice, Jeremy Brown on woodwinds, Nia DeVetzitz on vibraphone and percussion, and Shane Statz on saxophones. The collective has performed and collaborated <laughs> The collective has performed and collaborated with Aya Mana on Oud, Jack Jackson Silo on guitar. Leo Sato on Bandonian, Wendy Walker and Yolanda Sargent on voice, and has featured spoken word poet Audrey Lane Cockett. The collective also includes a youth chamber ensemble called Generations. CWP performs exploratory, gender-bending compositions through a socially engaged lens. The collective has held concerts in proceeds of mutual aid and in honor of local community leader Marion Ashton, the founder of Sankofa YYC. Uh, now I'd just like to introduce my co-hosts, Pete. Pete is a guitarist, singer, and artist currently studying at Alberta University of the Arts. He teaches guitar and ukulele at Anacrusis Music. He also likes to collect shiny things because he is secretly a bird. And Akira would like to call herself a pianist and vocalist, but she's still working on accepting that she may be good at things, so she's not going to call herself those that just yet. She enjoys sword fighting, writing, and long walks on the Albertan, beautiful Albertan beach. And sorry, uh, Pete Nakira, if you just want to introduce your pronouns and how you identify, if you want. 
Uh, hi, I'm Pete. I use he, him pronouns, and I identify as a queer trans guy. Uh, hi, I'm Akira. I use she, her pronouns, and I identify as a trans lesbian. Thanks. And finally, our guest, Delbir Singh. Yay. <laughs> Delbir Singh achieved PhD candidacy in performance studies at the University of Toronto. He has taught there as well as the University of Guelph and the University of Waterloo, where he taught the first course on race and Canadian theatre. He's also an award-winning editor of several play anthologies ranging in topics from post-colonial Canadian theatre to queer performance. He has recently circled back to playwriting by revisiting an older play he wrote entitled Five Red Hands. This play was a finalist for the Freddie Newman Pol sorry, Political Play Award in the Castillo Theater on 42nd Street in New York City. More recently, it was a top three finalist at last year's Playwrights Guild of Canada Award for Best Canadian Play of the Year. So thank you for being here, Delvir. Um, do you want to yeah. just introduce... Sorry, do you want to just introduce your pronouns and if you want, how you identify? Sure. <laughs> um, he, him, uh, I identify as a Sikh, South Asian, um, low caste uh, person of color. Thank you. And I'm really excited about uh, Five Red Hands and you're, you. you're revisiting it. Do you want to talk about that a little bit or is it? Like, sure. Yeah. So that's what I'm coming to Calgary to do is the little um, kind of workshop production at a place called the Arts Commons. I don't know if that's a. Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> I've never been there before, um, but I think it's in the theater Calgary's uh, rehearsal space. Um, so I'll be workshopping with a bunch of, um, you know, um, South Asian actors um, and a director and dramaturge. So. Um, it's really generously funded by the Canada Council, so I'm um, lucky to have received that grant, and I'm just, yeah, working on the next stage of it. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That's Thanks. so exciting. Um, so will it have, it won't have a performance while you're here, will it? No, currently the workshop is uh, closed to the public. Okay. Um, just because we are still kind of like in the initial stages of it. Um, I do have another workshop planned as part of this grant um, to be done in July in Calgary. So oh. I'm hoping that that's going to be a public. public oh, theater. cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is This Week in Gender. This Week in Gender. This Week in Gender is based on a podcast by Tuck Woodstock called Gender Reveal. And we'll leave uh, notes in the or a link in the show notes to their podcast. So our word of the week is drag brunch, which is similar to the typical brunch with assortments of drinks and food, but includes drag entertainment from resident drag reformers or touring acts. And I put a link to where I found that um, and had a lot more on the history of drag brunch and drag in general. Um, Pete, did you have a word of the week to do with that? No. Nope. That's okay. Usually Akira? I do, but not today. <laughs> uh, I do. Just for a bit of, you know, clarification, I was able to find an official uh, definition or whatever for just drag what it is. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and there's a full article. I'll cut some of that out. Uh, drag is a type of entertainment in which people dress up and perform, often in highly stylized ways. This entire thing. Uh, the term originated as a British 
theater slang in the 19th century and was used to describe women's clothing worn by men. So, it's not new. Um, it's about it. It's just performance. Thanks, Akira. Delbear, did you have a word? You don't have to, but I thought I'd check. A special word? Um, not at the moment. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Perfect. Thank you. So we're going to talk about um, an article. So as you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. There's this um, venue in Inglewood called The Attic, and they have um, drag shows, drag brunches, and they had an all-ages uh, drag brunch the last time we were recording. Um, and it was met by protesters. Uh, and so this article, this is from CBC, Jonathan Sharp is the journalist. Despite protests happening outside, an all-ages drag brunch event went ahead as planned on Sunday, December 19th, 2022, in southeast Calgary. It happened the same day a similar planned event nearby was canceled, with organizers citing threatening phone calls. Supporters of the drag brunch at the attic in Inglewood bundled up to brave the frigid cold as temperatures were around minus 20 Celsius. Some of them stood outside to face off with people who opposed the all-ages drag show. After a heated exchange with one protester, Shane Chick said it was important for people to come together to support the 2S LGBTQIA plus community. They're literally stepping on our rights. This is our safe space, Chick said. This is where we come to feel safe. This is where our kids are now coming to feel safe. This is where our community has always come to feel safe. So when they show up, it threatens that safety. It's shown deadly consequences before, and so we're here to prevent that. Inside the attic, the all-ages drag brunch, titled Waffly Cute, was a far cry from the commotion outside. Patrons inside the packed restaurant cheered as performers, including children, put on a show. So, uh, and then I just took this next quote from uh, Matt Bernstein on Instagram, who is a, a trans activist, trans mask activist. Um, their Instagram handle is Matt X, M-A-T-T-X-I-V. And then they said, be honest, you aren't interested in protecting kids. If you were, you wouldn't be violently protesting outside of libraries. If you were interested in protecting kids, you'd listen to the experts, the vast majority of whom will tell you that homophobia and transphobia at home are dangerous for children's mental health. So any thoughts on that? So were any of you at the, um, at the attic when this occurred? No, no, unfortunately. We were all recording right here. We were going to go. <laughs> like, we wanted to go, but um, I thought the time was later, but it was earlier. So we, we missed it. Mm. But, um, as Mike said, the last guest said, there will be lots more opportunities for protests and counter protests in Calgary. Wow. So. <laughs> I'm curious, Delbir, like, living, you lived in Toronto for a long time and then Guelph. Like, is there, I know in Toronto there were a lot of um, protests when I lived there, but that was, oh God, over 15 years ago. And then Guelph, yeah. Guelph kind of seems socially engaged in some ways too, right? So I'm curious. Yeah, so there's a drag performer here who goes by the name of Crystal Quartz. And so CBC picked up the um, uh, picked up the story because Crystal has been receiving a lot of death threats and a lot of um, threats targeted towards patrons. Um, so it's become kind of a scary situation. Um, 
So counter uh, protesters are showing up at these events and they're often, um, you know, much more of them than there are protesters. So that's kind of a nice thing to see, you know, and hopefully that kind of scares people away. But I feel like it's become sort of like a recent trend among conservative, um, you know, homophobic groups to do these kinds of things. Because in the past 10 years, I haven't really seen too much of it. It just seems... Recently, it's been like this huge kind of like, mm-hmm. push, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, yeah. In light of what happened in the States, right, on um, Trans Day of Remembrance. So. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Um, so no one has any other comments on that article? <laughs> Usually we have a lot more to say. <laughs> No, I mean, I feel like that Instagram thing summed up things pretty well. Yeah. Does anyone follow? Oh, sorry, Delbeer, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just thinking, like, um, is this, like, a regular occurrence now in Calgary towards, like, queer establishments? Yeah, I follow some people on Instagram who've kind of, uh, who, (laughs) I don't know if they're they're in these, like, some of these groups and take so they get information on which establishments that these right-wing um, people are going after. And it's been mostly libraries, but also some queer venues or that are, venues that are very queer-friendly. Um, and I've, yeah, it's been happening more and more. It's been more recently that they're going after drag brunches. I think that's mm. newer. Yeah. Unless anyone has anything, you maybe fact check that, but... I might just not know things, but why libraries? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, the um, the drag queen readings. Oh, um, sorry. Reading yeah. reality. Yeah. Yeah, I exactly. forgot about those. Thanks, Pete. Yeah. Like Delbeer said, and uh, usually there's more counter protesters than there are protesters. Yeah. That's yeah. happening here too. It's usually double the amount of counter protesters to protesters so far. Good. Okay, on a lighter note, (laughs) um, one more thing I wanted to talk about. So I'm excited about this. I just want to preface it before we talk about this. This is um, the Women Band Directors International Alberta chapter is having uh, what they're calling Girls in Jazz Day, uh, uh, January 28th, sponsored by Jazz YYC, which we talked about last time. Um, And I'm excited about this because women in jazz have been marginalized but trans people in jazz have been erased (laughs) so i think it's important to be more inclusive in the right way so i think they're trying and and i do obviously support women and girls in jazz um i just was a little uncomfortable on what caught my eye on this was their description um of this it says girls of all ages including those identifying as female and non-binary are welcome to participate in this exciting event so wait to me, yeah, to me, wait a minute okay i read that <laughs> girls of all ages including those identifying as female and non-binary are welcome to participate in this exciting event so yeah <laughs> can i pick apart their grammar for a moment yeah because Yes, the non-binary thing, but also girls of all ages, including those who are identifying as female, implies that most girls do not identify as female. Yeah. Um, 
And that's the thing is they use female and woman and girl interchangeably, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it feels to me like they're including non-binary as being a type of girl, <laughs> um, just from that wording. But I did reach out to them. I haven't heard back, but I, I do think that maybe like they're they're trying. So maybe they'll be open <laughs> to some feedback. This gives me very much her pronouns are they then vibes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This feels a lot like something along those lines. Yep, I agree. <laughs> um, okay, Delbeer, do you have anything you want to add? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You look it's like you got some. Not, it's not really as relevant to the um, issue of like including non-binary people as girls and sort of like calling them like women light or something. Um, but I don't really like how they're calling all of these women girls as well because that yeah. sort of feels. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. I didn't even see that. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. That's something I actually noticed with a lot of things, because it seems like, oh, it's okay to call grown women girls, but if you call a grown man a boy, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I've noticed... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, maybe someone just needs to talk to him about how to maybe frame things better or, you know, how to be more inclusive through language. Maybe they might be open to that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> it feels very good intention, bad execution. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I think that's kind of um, what we thought about the Jazz YYC Gender mm-hmm. Justice and Jazz Festival as well. We talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this is a, a good place to start. Yeah. Hopefully it's not the end. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they can grow. Yeah. All right. Any other Oh, yeah, Pete, go ahead. I think it's usually good to assume that people have good intentions, but bad execution and not like they're just being like, oh, no, we can include non-binary people to be like woke and stuff without actually caring. Yeah, putting in the work, right? The emotional. So now we get to the fun part. (laughs) Thanks for getting through all the serious stuff. So we're going to get into the interview part now, Delbir, the exciting part. Yay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Akira, you're first. Um, If you could hang out for 24 hours with any writer, poet, playwright, etc., alive or less alive, uh, who would it be? (laughs) Um, This is a hard one because you have to go through like all of history. (laughs) And she's somebody, um, I don't know, uh, I would say maybe um, Arunjati Roy, I really kind of love. Um, she's a South Asian writer. She wrote The God of Small Things and her new book, The Ministry of Utmost Happiness is really kind of beautiful. She merges like politics with like really beautiful metaphors and her humor is really great. Um, and she features a lot of um, characters who are non-binary and trans and queer um so that's always really great to see too so um 
Yeah, I, 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 I would choose her. She just seems like a really cool person too, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Is there, do you have a favorite um, book by Erin Dottie Roy? I do. Um, she writes a lot of nonfiction as, um, with fiction. I do love always the God of Small Things. You know, the characters are so rich. Um, and they're all set in uh, India, uh, a lot of rural areas in India. Um, and you really get a feel for the place, the locale. Um, and um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really beautiful book if you haven't read anything by her. Or it's a good place to start. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Okay, um, the next question. This is about your three favorite albums. Did everybody have a chance to listen to to them? Not yet. Not really. Okay. That's okay. I have to preface this, though, by saying that I'm not a musician. Um, so, you know, I, I can't talk in, like, technical terms about, you know. Um, <laughs> oh, no worries. <laughs> but for some reason, these three just popped into my head at that particular time um, that I wrote Jack. So, um, yeah. Do you want to just maybe um, uh, talk about each album and then just describe why you love it? It doesn't have to be technical at all. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, So the Cowboy Junkies, um, their live album, the Trinity Sessions, Um, I kind of really loved because there's something nostalgic about it. I first um, heard it when I was a kid. And um, then me and my good friend, and who is also um, Jax's friend, Jessie, introduced me to it as well. Like she would, you know, play songs from it. Um, And uh, also, um, you all are based in Calgary, so I don't know, Calgary. Cowboy just kind of <laughs> um, but it is it's a very um beautiful album. It's kind of just like you know, a bunch of people playing instruments and singing in a room. Um, they recorded it uh, on just one mic and they all kind of like sat around the mic. And it was set in a uh, the Trinity Church. And um the lead singer Margot, she had to um uh, talk to the church people um, and say, you know, we're doing a Christmas album. Can we use your church? Otherwise, they wouldn't have had permission to record in there. So they called themselves like the, I think it was the Timmons Singers Christmas Special. <laughs> but a lot of the songs are about death and, you know, it's uh, <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting kind of juxtaposition there. But the songs are really beautiful. They're, you know, covers of. Um, classic songs by like Patsy Cline and Hank Williams and Elvis but it's done so kind of like in a slow languid it's it's really beautiful so it's an album that's always kind of stayed with me and um, Jesse actually ended up playing with them at Massey Hall that I was able to go see so that was kind of like a full circle moment Wow. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) And it is a really beautiful album. I would, I I hadn't heard it before, but I listened to it when I got your list. I'd recommend it, Pete, Akira. And it's really impressive for just one mic. 
like I, I was expecting the recording quality not to be as good. So exactly. And I think the previous band had left their PA system. So she was actually singing through that too. And then okay. they had to like um, pay a security guard like 20 bucks so that they could stay longer in the church. So it was a very bare bones, yeah. very kind of like lo-fi, you know, effort. Uh, so kind of cool. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, do you know which church was this? Yeah, the Trinity Church in Toronto. Oh, in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And then what's the next album you want to talk about? Um, I guess the next album would be uh, PJ Harvey's Let England Shake. Um, she's another artist that I kind of grew up with, but then I kind of felt out of touch with. And then I read somewhere that she won the Mercury Prize for this album. So that kind of like intrigued me to kind of listen to it. And it's a really heady, really beautiful album full of gorgeous melodies but it's um again i don't know why i um listed all these albums that have to do with death uh <laughs> but it's uh all of the songs are really about um uh capturing um war and um death it's a very much an activist i think protest album um and a lot of the songs are about world war one but she's kind of uh, bringing it up into the present. Um, the first time that she debuted, um, I think, a single from that album, Let England Shake, she did it in front of Gordon Brown, who uh, pretty much um, financed, uh, in large part, the Iraq War. Um, so it was kind of like a very much a rebuttal to that, you know? And a B-side off of that album is called Shaker um, Amr who was the longest, uh, um, who was the prisoner in Guantanamo who served the longest time. I think it was 13 years without charge. Um, so she's bringing a lot of these kind of war protest songs into the present. Um, and it's really sort of connected with me, you know. Um, a lot of the imagery is really, really stark, um, but it kind of just stays with you. So it's the uh, reason why that album, I guess, on there <laughs> wow yeah oh very cool yeah and i guess the third album is i had to put something south asian indian in there uh well actually pakistani um it's nusrat fatih ali khan his album called mask to mask um uh nusrat is um he's from the islamic faith but it's uh, kind of like the sufi sect of islam um and um with extremist Islam uh, figures, uh, they often denounce music as being sacrilegious. But with the Sufi sect of Islam, um, music is actually considered to be sacred and is supposed to be like an integral part of your spiritual being. So music is very, very important to Sufi artists. Um, and Nusrat kind of, um, things from the heart like when you listen to his music and his melodies and his singing it's really primal and really guttural it feels like you're kind of like put in a trance and taken somewhere else so it's uh yeah he's one of my favorites awesome yeah i loved i loved all three of this those albums and especially the the third one um and it it's almost a crossover album, like, because it, 
it has all these like it has electric bass and, and yeah. all these different <laughs> instruments and different feels. Yeah, it's, I, I feel like Kuali music is really just supposed to be vocals, um, tabla, a hand drum, and um, the harmonium, the organ, the hand organ. Um, but uh, Nusrat was um, uh, trying to go beyond that and try to bring in a lot of Western influences into his music. So Must Must was kind of like the crossover album um, that introduced him to a lot of um, artists in the West. Um, so, you know, people like Jeff Buckley and Mick Jagger would often go to his concerts. Um, so he really crossed over quite a lot. Um, Madonna was a huge fan. So, <laughs> so yeah, cool. so, yeah, made an impression on a lot of people. Yeah. But he wanted to make it more Wally music, more universal. Okay. And was was must must um is that was that like a more unique album for him or does do a lot of his albums sound like that one it they do sound a lot like it um uh sometimes he does things more sparingly like he'll just use the you know the hand drum and the harmonium oftentimes then he'll incorporate a little bit more jazz elements into the um um, into the structure. He often does a lot of soundtracks, so he'll do like Bollywood soundtracks. But he also did, he worked with Eddie Vedder on the Dead Man Walking um, soundtrack, which is really okay. beautiful. Yeah. So he's done a lot of different kinds of, yeah, things. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah definitely listen to that one too. <laughs> Akira and Pete. <laughs> Homework. <laughs> Okay. Oh, so now here's now the it's part. Fun time. <laughs> now it's fun time. This this might make you cry. Oh no. We're gonna play Kiss Mary Kill with your three albums. Oh no, what does that mean? <laughs> so, you have to pick the album you'd kiss, the album you'd marry, the album you'd kill. Oh. Um <laughs> I uh, would uh, kiss the Cowboy Junkies. Um, I would um, I would marry the Must Must, and I would kill the PJ Harvey album because it's about death, anyways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Some people get Next very question. upset by that question, so no. yeah. <laughs> I was trying to give you a warning. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, did was that like um, a disturbing question for you, or was it? No, okay? no, no. Okay, okay, just checking it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Next question. Yeah. If you were composing a poem or other work of art right now, what would it be called? So I am writing a new play. Um, should I talk about that? You want? Yeah, for okay. sure. <laughs> so I, it's called, tentatively called, because it's still really, really in the early stages, but it's called Your Palace in the Sky. Um, it's called Your Palace in the Sky. Um, uh, it's, uh, it takes place in the mid-90s, uh, which is around 10 years after the Air India bombing. And Air India's slogan um, at that time was your palace in the sky. And it would be on the side of the um, plane. And the biggest piece of fuselage that they recovered from the Air India flight when it went down 
in the ocean was this huge piece of the plane and you could see the motto, your palace in the sky. Um, so there's a very, I think it's a very ironic kind of um, title because it focuses on the daughter of um, the victims of the crash. Wow. <laughs> 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 that's a long-winded answer to that question. Oh no, it was just a really powerful um, answer. That's all. So you're very uh, deep and metaphysical and <laughs> yeah, I feel very present and alive. So <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> cool. To follow up on that, um, the next question is, um, in one sentence, what is your philosophy? Um, that's really hard. Um, do a lot of other people find it really hard, this question? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. I don't know. This was the hardest question for me. It's kind of like when people ask you, you know, what's your story? Um, and then you have to, you know, say, oh, <laughs> how do I distill that? Um, I don't know. I always tend to say lead with compassion. I know that may sound kind of, you know, cheesy or trite, but um, no. I always think about that. I always think about, you know, leading with empathy and compassion for others is a good philosophy, I think, to have. Definitely. I think we need more compassion. I don't think it's trite or cheesy at all. <laughs> no. What is one thing you could not live without? Yeah, I was thinking about this a lot too. Um, I first started thinking about material stuff, but then I ended up with um, stories. I could never live without stories. Yeah, yesterday was the fifth anniversary of my dad's passing. And... Um, I heard from my aunt who started talking to me stories about him that I never heard before, um, you know? So I think it's both um, in your own life as well as the stories that you read, you know, the stories that you see on screen. Um, I don't think I could ever live without those, you know? I absolutely love that answer. <laughs> What's something that you wish everybody else could live without? <laughs> um, Definitely um, plastic water bottles. Ooh. Yeah. Right? Oftentimes I always go into the grocery store and I see people taking cases and cases of plastic water bottles when you really don't need to. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just it's such a sad thing to see. So I really wish people could just not ever do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think those people need to watch more seal rescue videos of plastic <laughs> getting caught in their necks yeah, and stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I know that my desk is usually quite messy and I have a lot of random things strewn about. Oh, is yeah. there, are there any fun random things on your desk right now? Um, sure. Um, can you see this? snow globe that says joy Ooh. Ooh. so my partner found this um i think it was like somewhere strewn somewhere <laughs> and uh i think it was like i don't know um it was just abandoned somewhere and he took it home and he cleaned it up because he felt so sad you know seeing a snow globe that says joy how can you just throw that away yeah. like, it's just such a sad thing to do <laughs> So now it's kind of sitting on my desk. 
Yeah. (laughs) This is one of my favorite questions. Uh, If you could rewrite any fictional character as trans, who would it be? Yeah, um, I I think a lot of Shakespeare stuff is so amenable to this, you know, um, <laughs> particularly like A Midsummer Night's Dream. I saw um, an all-female production of it um, years ago, but it made me thinking that, you know, all of the characters really could be non-binary or trans, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's really a, very much a play about love in all of its forms, regardless of gender or you know, sometimes even sexuality. So it's, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's a really good piece that looks at that, yeah. Yeah, great answer. <laughs> I'd love to like hear some of your answers to these questions too. <laughs> Maybe you don't. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, no, that's okay. Um, Akira, who did you, did you say Hermione? Yeah, just to be spiteful. I didn't have any <laughs> thoughtful answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, I... yeah, that's a really good, yeah. I never thought of that. I think I said uh, Harry Potter, or not Harry Potter, um, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, because oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of things that are sort of like, are you sure he's not trans? Um, <laughs> like uh, in one of the movies, I think his friend Ned asks, oh, do you lay eggs now? Like, why would a male spider lay eggs? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very oh. good point. Yeah. Sorry, going back to JK Rowling, um, uh, my friend Macron published a piece on uh, the production of it in Toronto, urging um, artists not to um, um, not to go see it or invest sort of any money in it, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's an important thing to sort of note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Shouldn't be supporting that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Is there anything you want to plug? Um, I um, I don't know. Um, I guess my theater anthologies are available through Canadian Play Outlet, um, and my play Vibrant Hands that um, Jacks uh, picked up too. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's all available there. Yeah. And we'll put links in the show notes for, sure. for both of those. So, yeah. Cool. And we're at the last question already. Wow. wow. Um, what is your theme song in this moment? And by that, I mean just like any song that you feel you is just playing for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, any song that's playing for me right now. Um, uh, oh, um that's one answer that I forgot to uh, think about. <laughs> oh no, sorry. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, I really like. Um, I don't know why I'm returning back to Rick James. Do you, do you all know Rick James? Rick James did like Super Freak. So I don't know why that song <laughs> is in my head. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's an unexpected answer, and I yeah. love it. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think we're all super freaks in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much for being here, Delbier. Um Yeah, this is so fun. And it's so good to get to like know your art and 
see you after all these years. Yeah, it's I been know. so long. Oh my I goodness. <laughs> so I'd just like to uh, mention a few local organizations that are here for the queer community. And by the queer community, I mean the intersectional queer community. So Skipping Stone offers a welcoming, positive, and judgment-free space for anyone who identifies as trans, transgender, non-binary, or gender diverse, as well as those questioning, exploring, or looking to affirm their gender identity or expression. Uh, their website is www.skippingstone.ca. The Trevor Project. Yay, yeah, Skipping Stone. Um, the Trevor Project provides 24-7 crisis support services to LGBTQ plus young people. Text, chat, or call anytime to reach a trained counselor. And that's at www.thetrevorproject.org. Next is Center for Sexuality. For 50 years, they've been leading the way in the areas of sexuality, healthy relationships, human rights, gender identity, sexual orientations, equality, and consent. And that's at www.centerforsexuality.ca. Trans Lifeline provides trans peer support for our community that's been divested from police since day one. And that's translifeline.org. Calgary Outlink is a community-based not-for-profit charity dedicated to providing support, education, outreach, and referrals for the 2S LGBTQIA and allied communities in Calgary, Alberta. And that's calgaryoutlink.ca. And finally, Blackline. Blackline provides a space for peer support, counseling, witnessing, and affirming the lived experiences to people who are the most impacted by systemic oppression with an LGBTQ plus Black Femme lens. And the number for that is 1-800-604-5841. So once again, thanks to our guest, Albir. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Um, and I guess we'll say goodbye now. <laughs> yep. Right. So goodbye. Hydrate. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. What's our what are our taglines? I don't know. Hydrate and whatever you do, don't subscribe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> don't commit murder either. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Goodbye.